Scripture is hostile to God's standard and therefore it's hostile to God. Go there. And we, we think, don't we, just for a second, poor Jonah. I can't imagine what this is like. I can't imagine what it's like to have to step into a culture that's hostile toward God's holy standard. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. character throughout the story because there's a lot and look at how they treat God look at how God treats them make notes what's despicable there are some deplorable things that some of these people do make notes of what's admirable there's some things they do that, that are just awesome and, and we need to focus on that take notes underline and really explore the story and it's really really going to be awesome so if you are going to join me in this endeavor shout amen yeah. alright so let's begin with a verse that we're going to use this morning as a responsive reading. And each week we're going to have the same verse in front of us, and we're all going to do this as a responsive reading. But I'm going to read the black, and then I want everyone together, I'll read with you, to read the red, okay? Jonah 4, 2b, For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Do you know how much you just learned about God this morning or remembered about God this morning just in this verse? Every single Sunday we get together, we're going to read this verse together. And by the end of 12 weeks, hopefully we're all going to have committed to memory. A lot of truth that you can stand on just in this one verse. So Scripture tells us in Jonah, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. When we were in Sunday school, we all learned this story. Amen? And we learned, we learned this by singing songs. We learned this by coloring pictures. As a matter of fact, this morning, I guarantee with as many churches that, as there are in the United States, somewhere, someplace, kids are coloring a picture of Jonah being spit out of the whale this morning. We learned a lot. We did a lot of things to help us remember the story. And as far as stories go, Jonah's a pretty good story. It's, it's, it's a pretty good story. There's a hero. There's a villain. There's an unlikely damsel in distress. I mean, this has all of the, all of the needs, all of the qualities of a good bedtime story. But the cast really isn't as how we've been taught. We've been taught as we look at the story of Jonah that the story is actually about Jonah. And Jonah is just one of the characters of the story. And what we do is we tend to take some of the characters of the Bible and we make heroes out of them and they're really not. So I just uh, want to get this out in the open right here. Jonah is not the hero of the story. Jonah is not the hero of the story. So whatever we have in our minds... Uh, 
that draw us to this conclusion that Jonah is the hero of the story. We need to abandon that because it's bad theology. It's not here, and we'll see that. He's not the hero. He's also not the damsel in distress, as we may have been taught or may think that he is. That's not Jonah. So who is he? Jonah's a rebel. He is a rebel. He disregards God's word. And therein, when we disregard God's word, we disregard God's will, thereby disregarding God. That's the path that Jonah is on. So, Jonah is the unruly, would-be hero who chooses villainy. Who's the hero of this story, everybody? It's God. He alone saves. Nineveh is the damsel in distress. Before we get too far ahead looking into the future here, I just want to look at some main points that we can't afford to miss. Nineveh is the capital of the greatest threat at that time. There's no greater threat at that time than Assyria. Assyria is this power that is rising in the east and becoming stronger and stronger, and it is scaring people. Nineveh is the capital of a killing machine. Assyria is a killing machine. Keep that in your mind as we continue reading. In Isaiah 7, God calls Assyria a razor. A razor to shave the nation. Not only a razor, Assyria is referred to as a fly, a bee, and the waters of a river. Each one of these names illustrate how Assyria operates in warfare, a razor to shave the land, and just think of waters of a river that are so unpredictable for just a second. You get taken down, they sweep over your head, you're done. This is exactly what God is referring to. This is what Assyria is. Assyria is a killing machine that's growing in power and an enemy to Israel, which just so happens to be where Jonah lives. Scary times for this prophet. So you, place yourself in Jonah's shoes. There is an enemy that is growing in force. They are hostile towards your nation. God calls you to go there and to preach to them. How would you feel? Three points to today's sermon. Three and only three. God calls you where you are comfortable. God calls you where you are comfortable. To go where you are not comfortable. To reveal Him in some way. His Word, His will, His glory. Three points. God calls you where you are comfortable. To go where you are not comfortable. To reveal Him in some way. Most people believe that the gospel's work only happens overseas, in third world countries. Most people believe that most of the work of the gospel is taking place over there, and, and that's kind of where it needs to, to stay. So, in believing that way, we have the ability to kind of live our quiet Christian lives and not worry about the things that are happening around us, because the gospel's work is taking place overseas where it's dangerous. Here we are in our quiet, comfortable little homes, but meanwhile, the culture around us is becoming increasingly hostile toward God, toward religion, particularly toward the Christian religion, toward Christian values, 
toward the things that God loves and God has called us to. The place where you live, Waverly, New York, Sayre, Athens, South Waverly, Shemong, Tioga, Barton, I can go through and name them all, they are entrenched in culture that is against what God is calling you to do, how God is calling you and I to live. So what we usually do is we just pray that God's voice will be heard in those cultures, in that place, and we hang out where it's safe. So we rejoice with each other on Sunday, and we do that, and it's wonderful. And we keep on demonstrating the gospel in church to one another. But God did not send Jonah to the mission field and then give him instruction. That's not the way it works. We don't wait until we are in some place uh, to, to, to receive God's word and uh, to listen to what God has to say. God calls us in a place where it's comfortable. It's where he calls us. His word comes to Jonah at home in the security of his community. He's not waiting for you and I to to get to a third world country to start ministering. He wants us to do it here. A couple examples of this. The disciples. So these guys are simple fishermen. They're out doing their job. They're out doing their tasks. They know what their lives are. How many of you are routine with me? You know what you want to do every day, and that's what you want to do and nothing else. Any little bit of change messes things up for us, and we can't go forward. Uh, and that's just me. I have a hard time dealing with change. My life is comfortable. I get up, I get dressed, I do my routine, I go to work as long as everything goes according to plan. I'm all set. The disciples know exactly what they're doing. They're fishermen, they're simple people. They're, it's a tax collector, and it's this group together, and they know what they need to do. And Jesus calls them to leave the life that is padded and comfortable and familiar to them and go out to a place where it's uncomfortable. Moses had built a pretty comfortable life out in the wilderness. Amen? And he's got his, his flock that's there. He's taken care. He's, he has his wife. He has now his children. And Moses knows what he needs to do, and, and there he is. God calls him where he is comfortable. We can't wait for God's word to come to us because it already has. If we don't hear that, then we're not listening. God's speaking loud and clear. He wants you and I to live out belief and repentance every single day. The gospel is not a one-time, hear it, and then we have this slip of paper that says, I'm fine now. It is this continual pressing forward and believing and repenting and believing and repenting. We continue to believe and repent and live out the gospel boldly. So, when Jonah receives the call on his life to go out and preach uh, to these people, we need to realize and understand that it's not the first time that there's been a calling on his life to go out and preach. 2 Kings 14, 25-27 tells us, He restored the border of Israel from Lebohamath as far as the Sea of Hareba, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gathepher. For the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under the sun, so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. You know, we all want to be the hero. We do. We don't want to go and tell people scary things. We don't want to go and tell people things that are going to ruffle their feathers or make them upset. So I think that we would all agree that had we received a commission from God to go to God's people and tell them things are going to be okay, we would all go. If 
you were a doctor and you just found the cure to a disease and now it's not going to be widespread throughout your community, you're going to be happy to give that message. Amen? If you're an accountant and you stumble upon a loophole in the, the, the tax system where all of your customers are now going to receive more back in their taxes than uh, they were initially going to, you don't mind giving that message out. Amen? Tax news. You're all getting more money than you were supposed to. Everybody's excited. We want to be that sort of messenger. We want to be the one that takes that sort of message. So, Jonah had no problem with that news. He says, what, what's that, God? Tell them they'll prevail? I can do that. Then sit back and watch what will happen. I got this, God. And it went well for Jonah because he went and he preached this message and things turned out well in the end. He went and preached to a wicked king. And the end result, he sits back and watches God get the glory. But this time, Jonah receives the word of God once more. But it's news of judgment and what's more, it's in Nineveh. So Jonah receives this word to take to the Ninevites to take to this place that's not in his home turf. So it's real easy to stand in your own yard when the bullies are out on the street and your brothers and your cousins are all around and shout names at them. Amen? But when you go out on the street, you no longer have that comfort behind you. It's not quite so easy. This is exactly the same situation. Jonah is being asked to leave a place where it's comfortable. And what? Go to a place where you're not comfortable. Some of the uh, earlier illustrations I gave, I just want to go back to those for a second. Moses, by this time that he's in the desert, he's an old man now. He's settled in his life. He's comfortable. God calls him to go back to the place where he fled. Why? Because he killed somebody. So he's safe from any reprimand. He's safe from any true justice now. He killed someone, runs away to the wilderness. Here he is. He's established and built a life for himself. He's comfortable. And now God comes to him and says what? You're going back. Now you're going back. We don't want to be Moses, do we? We don't want to leave the place where we're comfortable and go to the place where we're not. It's the place he fled from to begin with. But often, God calls us to go where it's uncomfortable. The disciples were just living ordinary lives. God calls them. Abandon it all. Jesus says, abandon it all and follow me. This was much more of a change than most Christians today can identify with. Because for a lot of us, we accept Christ, become a Christian, and then go about living our normal life. And really not a whole lot's changed. These men are now going to walk in front of their community having abandoned their jobs and follow this man who claims to be God. We think we have it hard with our Christian walk. God calls us to the places where it is uncomfortable. He calls us to the places He wills and often it will not be the most comfortable. Why is that? Why does God call us to go in places where it might be uncomfortable for us? where we'll have to be brave to go in there, where we'll have to depend on something outside of ourselves. Because your story and my story is not about me and it's not about you. 
And when we make it about me and we make it about you, we sin and we try to place ourselves up in God's place and handle our lives ourselves. And then when we have the mess and the broken pieces in our hand, we say, here, Dad, fix this. Right? That's who we are. Stories are not, we're not the main character in, in the story of the gospel. God chooses to use us. It's about Him. It's about God. It's about His glory, His creation, His people. His world. His sons and daughters commissioned to carry the gospel and to bear the image of Christ. Not only to bear the image of Christ, but to bear the image of Christ where it wouldn't necessarily be awesome to do it. Jonah has to go to Nineveh. To the heart of the killing machine. This is where this guy's going. And preach against their culture. It's not bad enough to say, Jonah, go and take this trip into this place that's hostile toward me. Also, while you're there, tell them that I'm going to judge them because of their sin. Their culture is hostile to God's standard and therefore it's hostile to God. Go there. And we we think, don't we, just for a second, poor Jonah. I can't imagine what this is like. I can't imagine what it's like to have to step into a culture that's hostile toward God's holy standard. Yes, we can. Because in here, you're in good company. You are. We're friends, we're family in here. You're in good company. You're in the place where I hope you're comfortable. You can let down your guard, be yourself, and you don't really have to worry about too much arguments or, or too much of the world creeping in. It's, it's kind of a safe place. But one step outside the door, one step outside the door, and you are entrenched in a culture that is almost identical to Nineveh, where God's holy standard has been abandoned. People don't care. Culture that murders. Culture that promotes a valueless life and a a virtueless life. Today, if you're a Christian and you care for personal holiness, you are a minority. That's the bottom line. And God calls you and I to live our Christian lives out there. Not just where we're comfortable. So, God calls us where we're comfortable to go someplace we're not comfortable. Why? To reveal Him in some way. His word, His will, His glory. Jonah is headed to a culture that is hostile to God's standards. This is so important for us to remember. The place he's going, they're not going to receive this as something awesome. Jonah's headed there to reveal God's word and further to reveal that God will judge them. Wow. It's interesting. Jonah's called to be a rebel. To go against the standard of society. And instead he chooses to be a rebel against God. For the Israelites, they had a special relationship with God. God was their chosen people. Philistia was not the chosen people. Egypt, not the chosen people. Assyria, not the chosen people. So it may seem strange to some of us that God would even choose to send this message to Assyria, but that's His will, that's His word, that's what He chooses to do. Jonah has to go to the place 
Just as we have to go to similar places and reveal God there. It's strange that people assume that our goal as, as Christians is just to change the society we live in. Whenever I speak with unbelievers, they think that our goal as Christians is to make them feel bad and then force them to pray a prayer. So we carry the gospel to the ends of the earth and we're supposed to hit every arena on the way. Every single arena. If you know who God is, it should seem no small thing to reveal who God is to these other people. Our lives should be doing this. Why? Because there are people who are angry, there are people who are hurt, there are people who are broken. They need Him. They need Him. So how are we going to engage the culture that's around us? How are we going to do what God called Jonah to do? How are we going to do the opposite of what Jonah did and actually go out and do what God has commissioned us to do? Well, I love every single person in here. I love you. I want the best for you. I want to have uh, just an awesome relationship where we can talk, and I want to see you do the best. And I want us all to stand together as one because God calls us to as the church. Often, many of the commands to us as the church is to one, not to individuals. And the tide is rising, and we've got to be a beacon, don't we? We've got to be a beacon of light in the darkness. We've got to be something that stands out and shines. We've got to go as one. We have to be a beacon of redemption to the valley and beyond. The point of the book of Jonah is not Jonah's heart. That's something else we've been told that's just not true. It's not the point. Because the book of Jonah ends with God chastising Jonah. So it's one of these stories where the chief figure, who we believe to be the chief figure, the chief character really doesn't progress any toward the end. We read through the story about how finally he does God's word, but he's angry about it in the end. Jonah's really no better in the end of the book than he was in the beginning of the book. So the story can't be, be like Jonah. There's no indication, despite our Sunday school theology, that uh, we're really better by the end at all, following after Jonah. The original recipients of this account, this is important, received it as a revealing of God's mighty work. Okay, They didn't receive it as uh, a man who all of a sudden changed and became better. Because this story is not about Jonah, this story is about God. You know something interesting, as you join me in the endeavor to read Jonah for the next 12 weeks, every single day, you're going to come to realize that for every time Jonah's name is mentioned, God's name is mentioned twice. God's the chief character in the story. God is. Join me in reading and you're going to see. So, we are not the main characters of our story. That's a hard pill to swallow. And if the end goal of your life and mine is to accomplish our goals and be happy, we miss the point of life. And we are no different than anyone else. If the truth that you have inside you stays in the vault of your mind, it is done no good at all. I want us as we're closing here, to feel the full weight of this this morning. 
if you're comfortable where you are and you're kind of blending in and, and things are going good, God has blessed you. But he isn't finished with that. So if you're comfortable and you feel good about where you are and things are going great, that's not the end of it for you. It's not the end of it for me. God has something else that he wants to do. All that means is that you and I have experienced His grace. Now, go and take it where it wouldn't otherwise be taken. Matthew 5.15-16 says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Who said this? Jesus said this. Who said this? Jesus said this. This is for us. We can't take the truth that God has placed in our hearts and hang on to it. We need to let it shine so the whole world can see. We need to not be afraid to go into the dark places and speak God's truth. I want to ask everyone this morning to to close your eyes for just a moment. Close your eyes and I want you to ask God to Search your heart. And beyond searching our hearts, to reveal Himself to us afresh, in a new way.